think we're in this uh, third episode because one of them got uh, shrunk to oblivion. So. Yeah, I kind of saved 30 minutes of it. I'll see what I could save. It's kind of nice to have an extra one just in case something happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're hosting Nick Chow tonight, and he's wanting to do a podcast, so we thought we'd um, help him out. It seems like he's been wanting to do it for a really long time. It seemed like, I don't know. <laughs> Nick is a childhood friend of Trevor, and they've been really good friends ever since. Yeah, we're thinking about hosting him monthly, and then next year when Thomas is going to join us, maybe we'll do him once a month too, and so we'll have regular people that we host. Came back. Hi. What's up? Hey, Hi. Nick. How's it going? I'm good. Nick, uh, you know, well, my friend, and we've been friends since like um, freshman year of high school. Yeah, just about like 2007-ish, something like that. A long time now. We're getting old enough where I just say a long time. <laughs> yeah. Basically, uh, since I remember now, so. Because <laughs> all you yeah. remember is like 10 years ago? Okay, that's good. Yeah, your life started yeah. at freshman year. Yeah, middle school was kind of lame, so. <laughs> so we just forget about middle school. But Nick, I'd say, is a very down-to-earth person and loves everything that's artistic and beautiful. Hmm, and I appreciate that. That's true. <laughs> he will uh, go and capture or create something that's pleasing to him. And it'd be regarding like uh, food, art, uh, photography, music, all the above. A veritable Renaissance man, of course. (laughs) And uh, he has done art before. He's uh, into photography, so he's a professional wedding photographer. And he loves, more than that, to do, um, I guess, um, like contemporary portraits and stuff stuff like that. Yeah, I can uh, I can confirm that. That's all true. I'm uh, you know <laughs> jack of all trades, master of some. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's my professional life, mostly photography. I do weddings, I do portraits. I work at a photo lab four days a week, so my life revolves around a still image. When he's not uh, <laughs> working, he's usually uh, either browsing and reading his RSS feed or playing Overwatch or Pokemon. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got me there. That's uh, that's pretty true as well. <laughs> you pretty much distilled my entire character down into two things, uh, working, <laughs> photography, and playing Overwatch with you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, anything else that might, uh, I missed? Um, well, other than everything else about myself, I'd say no, you did a pretty good job. Those all <laughs> highlights. 
Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just an, I'm a relatively average person. I, people always define me really by like the art stuff, the photography, and uh, that's pretty much the only reason that people we know know me. So I, I, there's not much more that I can add other than, you know, being my, well, yeah, no, I don't have too much more to add. That'll make me sound better. <laughs> <laughs> so if, you, if you'd like to continue stroking my ego, go right ahead. <laughs> So, uh, what RSS feed website do you use? Um, I use Feedly as, as a sync service, and um, I use Reader on my devices, Reader on my back, uh, my iPad, and my iPhone, and I used to use Google Reader back when that was a thing. I, we all missed that, but unfortunately, they fucking killed that. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I used to yeah, use Google Net Newsletter on the back. <laughs> I know. I think there was an option or something. I think you could import it to different services. And I think I just happened to choose Feedly. But as a pretty big RSS junkie, I know I have a ton of feeds. I check them every day. I'm all about the news, the tech news, the photography news, all kinds uh-huh. of news. Yeah, I use Feedly too. <laughs> yeah, I have Feedly and never check it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Trevor, you always, you always used to say that you'd go home from high school and you'd get there and then you'd spend like an hour reading all of your RSS feeds, and then you just promptly forget about everything you just read and repeat the process the next day. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably like a couple hours, no, not just one hour. Oh, it's probably I'll, like I'll three hours. I think, I think probably count how many hours of your life were wasted with RSS. I feel that, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I, I come into school, and then uh, we talk for like five minutes, and like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then uh, after that, kind of just wasted. <laughs> yeah, we'd have conversations. They'd be like, oh, did you read you know, such and such article about whatever happened? And you'd be like, yeah, I read it. And then it'd be like, okay, cool. Next day, <laughs> oh, did you read this? Yeah, that's pretty much it. So we've spent hours upon hours of our life reading thousands of articles about things we'll never remember. Um, that's how you know we're really dedicated to technology. <laughs> we are students of the 21st century. <laughs> nice. So it seems do you, Alex, you- do you keep up with news? Like do you do you read RSS feeds or do you do you follow blogs? Like how do you how do you read your news? Recently, I've gone into uh, Flipboard, so I kind of checked Flipboard, through yeah. there, and I've checked LinkedIn to check what they have going on. But they don't have many articles in their like daily stuff. And I have LinkedIn this other app. I thought, I thought that was more of a social network for like job seeking, or has it changed? Well, every day LinkedIn has a few articles that they talk about the industry and so I wasn't I aware that. Of that. That's cool. It seems like you've been wanting to do a podcast for a while, is that right? <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah, I thought about it. I just you know, certain topics come up and I have a lot to say. But uh-huh. I have, people have also told me that like they thought, oh, you should start a podcast because I will chat their ear off about whatever I'm talking about. <laughs> and I think about it, but I've also I've, I put it off, you know, because I haven't organized it. I, uh-huh. haven't, I, I haven't I haven't put it together yet, but it's been on my radar for a while. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I, it's such a I enjoy listening to it so much that I've always thought it would be something fun to get into myself. Yeah, we're thinking about hosting you maybe like once a month until you get yours going. If you would like, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, whatever works. I'm I'm happy to be on a phone call for a while. Otherwise, I would just be on a you know voice call with Trevor playing Overwatch. So it's basically the same thing. <laughs> yeah. 
I guess, I mean, my, the amount of bugs and shits and, that I'm saying right now are probably a little bit less than Overwatch, but, you know, we'll see. I'm only three <laughs> left. Man. Sounds good. I work in yeah. construction, so I'm kind of used to all that <laughs> language. It doesn't bother me. We're <laughs> like, all on the same stuff. page, then. They're <laughs> <laughs> all, like, reading themselves and saying these words. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I, like, cut off my foot, I'd be fucking screaming, too. Like, I don't know. People who do construction are gnarly. I've seen some crazy Yeah. Shit. About a month ago, someone cut off his finger. Goddamn, oh, wow. It's barely, it's, like, barely hanging on by, like, a thread of skin. Like, uh, <laughs> so, I'm, am I correct in assuming that he lost that digit, or was it somehow put back on? <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't one of our guys. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, fuck it. Doesn't matter then. You're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You hear a lot of things and you just let them go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, we well, can't care about every single severed finger in the world. It would just be too much. <laughs> yeah. Just, as long as it's not stuck in the ch- uh, in the building somewhere. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel I feel like that'd be a violation of some sort of code. Too many, you know, too much human remains and something. <laughs> too many digits out there. <laughs> the second question about uh, your profession, or I wanted to know what you would say is uh, your story and your development and your professional life and where you want to go and. I uh, I guess professionally, I've been taking photos of people in all different ways for maybe 10 years or more, I guess more now, maybe 12 years or something, a while uh, <laughs> since I've known Trevor basically. And uh, sort of just, you know, taking photos of friends or whatever, friends and family. And I really was inspired by looking at portraiture that I've seen online. You know, I was on like Flickr and DeviantArt and all these different social media websites for photography. This is back before Instagram. This is like places where people mm-hmm. shared their art. And I got really interested in art photography and really fashion-inspired photography. It's the, the kind of, it's the styling, it's the scenario, it's the emotion. It's not just a picture of a person. It tells a story. And that's what really mm-hmm. interests me. And so I, I get it. I got into that, and I've kind of been doing that myself, this sort of art portraiture, conceptual portraiture, um, editorial portraiture, whatever you want to call it, for a while. And then, you know, it's it was originally just that for fun. And then I kind of found ways to start making money with it, whether it's doing shoots for other people or selling my images, prints of my images or anything like that. And the more, the more I've kind of gotten involved in the business of it, to be honest, the less creative I've gotten, I've become uh-huh. less, I've, I do fewer and fewer creative shoots because more of my life is consumed by, um, by weddings that I do, which, you know, to be, I'll just be totally honest. They're, they're a good paycheck. I'm not, necessarily super passionate about them but they're a good business and i'm pretty skilled at it so it's not it's not a bad thing to be doing and then i spend so much time at the photo lab that i work at that i don't always feel super inspired now to be doing something after i spend eight hours during a day you know mm-hmm. retouching a, another person's family photo and taking the wrinkles <laughs> off whatever you know it's just yeah. you know you do something all day and it, it's sort of like you know the chef might not always want to come home and cook dinner because he's been cooking for eight hours it's that kind of thing mm-hmm. but you know, I'm not sure. In terms of where I'd want to go, I uh, I always pursue the things I'm interested in. I just don't know. I don't know to what degree, whether that means I make a career and move somewhere and become, you know, I, <laughs> photographer for the stars or if I just kind of, you know, do my own thing and shoot for fun. But it's just something I'm interested in. So things I'm interested in will always be practiced. 
you know, I kind of knowledge for knowledge's sake. I love just shooting for the fun of it. Yeah, I wanted to know like what it seems like you kind of told me about how you introduced you were introduced to photography. Uh, how were you introduced to it, and how did you learn it? I guess I was introduced to it like like most of us are. Like when you're really a young child, you you have your family photographing you. You know, from from a young age, people, your parents are always taking pictures of you, and you're you're exposed to photography as as a way of documenting things. You know, most most people's first experience with, with photography is being captured themselves with a camera and in our generation at least in the beginning that was probably film cameras and then quickly it became digital cameras and um i i would just was fascinated by the technology to be honest i've always been like a machinery technology kind of kid when i was into it i really wanted to know how is that working or what's happening or can i hold the camera can i do this and after being exposed to that, I thought, you know, it kind of just went from there. You know, what, by, when I was in middle school, I took ten or 20,000 photos with my digital cameras. I just was just taking picture, pictures of everything. And wow. that was just documentary stuff. You know, that nothing, honestly, it wasn't nothing with art. It was just photos of my friends and I and whatever. So it was nothing. But it was mm-hmm. the kind of thing that that's where you start. And then I think you decide whether you want to continue with just doing that, documenting your own life. Or if you find other things that inspire you, maybe you, maybe you love landscapes. Maybe you love um, still life, so you love portraiture, whatever you love. Then you fo- you find that and you realize, oh, I can apply this photography skill that I'm interested in in this genre of photography. And I think there is where um, other people find, you know, what they love. And so for me, it was going from, oh, I'm documenting my life, documenting pictures of my friends or whatever, and then realizing, oh, maybe I can have a hand in styling this. Maybe I can have a hand in posing this or a hand in the concept and kind of turn this into more of a, a, a posed portrait. And also, honestly, just looking at beautiful photography makes me inspired. I look at, um, just, you know, high-end photographers, honestly, lots of, you know, fashion magazines, the cover of a Vanity Fair. Like, if it stops you in your tracks, the supermarket, then I'm interested. If I look at the photo and I'm like, wow, who shot that? It's the kind of thing that I geek out on. I'm like, wonder who's shooting this? Why? How do they do this? Um, you know, who who approved this concept? Like, all this kind of stuff. I think about all those aspects of it when I'm looking at it. And so I look at that and I go, well, then how can I do that? And I can't, you know, honestly, I can't do, I can't do nearly as good as, the, as my idols can or whatever, but I can try. You know, it's, it's nice to look at it. So do you have a favorite uh, magazine or favorite uh, portrait photographer that you have? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't subscribe to really the magazines. I, just, I see our, I see photographs from magazines online. I see certain editorials posted or I see uh, certain individual pictures. But honestly, my favorite photographer, if I had to choose one, is Tim Walker. He's a, I think he's an English photographer. He's somebody who really, you just have to Google the name Tim Walker photography and you'll just see the amazing work he does. It's just, it's sort of like you're stepping into a dream when you see his photos. And from what I've read, he uses um, a medium format film camera. So it's not like most of his stuff is Photoshopped together. Not that I have any qualms with that, but there's something to be said for the way he styles his sets and his models. It's, It's all very... It looks so real, but it's also so fantastical. And that, that's what I like to capture sometimes. I like mm-hmm. the idea of something that's it's fantasy, but it's believable. It's not just, it's not just using the icon of fantasy. It's using what, what would this actually look like? It's, let's use real items. Let's, look, let's use real sets. You know? I'm interested in that, and I think Tim Walker does that beautifully. When did you get your first uh, like professional camera? Or, uh, oh, um, well, I was using just little point-and-shoot cameras or small cameras until about 2006 or seven, and I had a family member who I wasn't very—I cl- didn't know very well, honestly. I wasn't very close with at the time, 
and they um, they just kind of out of the blue offered to buy me a pretty nice camera. You know, at the time it was basically a, a low end um, APS-C, like a, Can- a Canon Rebel of the time, like the XTI, I think. And mm-hmm. that that really having upgrading to an interchangeable lens camera and then finding out what kind of lenses you want to use, what kind of technique you want to use, that really is kind of what set me off, I guess. It's like, wow, look at, I have now files that I can print. I can make good prints of, you know, I can treat this as art. It's more than just a little point and shoot camera. I think that makes a big difference for some, for me at least, because I'm so technique driven as well. So I, I love knowing that I can print a photo. Not, not everybody does that, but I'm so into the, the artifact of the print and seeing it framed and put on a wall. You know, I, I only have so much wall space, but I've sold a number of prints to people. And I, I love looking at prints of things. You know, I work at a print shop. I love seeing the tangible that comes out of these photographs. You know, as, as nice as it is looking at a screen, there's something to be said about having a setup, whether it's film or digital or whatever you have, that can produce a nice looking physical print that you can put on your wall and just, you know, look at and delve into every day. Yeah, printing is kind of going away. When I got married, I got some frames to put some pictures in, but we've—I lost the frame, and I never printed any of my <laughs> wedding pictures. <laughs> That's funny, you know. I talk to people almost every day, and I tell them, you know, one, two things. One, photo gifts are awesome because people never print photos from themselves. So if you if you just give them photos and they're already framed, then they might actually put them up. And the other thing is, if you don't print it and put it up, you might never look at a photo again. You know, we have—I can look at my iPhone. I did the other day, and it has about fourteen thousand photos on it. It's kind of a lot, uh-huh. and let's, let's be honest. Like, I'm not going to look at those every day. So, if I can choose a few of my favorite photos and print them out, you know, I might actually look at them and therefore enjoy them more. I think I love digital photography, but I I do think that there's value in putting a print out that you enjoy, and then you're actually looking at it and experiencing it. It's sort of like choosing a photo for the wallpaper of your phone or your computer. You see it all the time, and therefore you're enjoying it more. I think uh-huh. you know, choosing a select few prints and enjoying them throughout your day. There's just there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I, I hear about I hear ads about uh, how this uh, company would send you some of the best uh, pictures from like the past month or so. If you take picture of for every hundred pictures you take or something, they'll send you a, a photo book. Which, oh wow! Does, is it a service? Do they just does their algorithm create it, or does somebody just create a book or something and send it to you based on the photos that you've taken on your phone? Is that how it works? Yeah, I, yeah. I thought I heard about it. I don't know how they produce it, but it's probably based on some algorithm deciding what the pictures would probably be best to send. I think they send it like based on how many photos you take, or once a month, or something like that. I'd have to wow, find that's out. Interesting. Hmm, interesting service. Yeah, I mean. Cool. I think I think that's cool. I think more people. It's not everybody's interested in it, to be honest. A lot of people just don't care about prints, and that's fine. But I think for mm-hmm. the people who do, it can be fun to go through them. You know, I think there there is a value, even if you don't do it every day. You know, maybe once a year if you go through, or maybe you know, maybe eventually if you have kids and they want to go through them, just having something to go through, open a book and look at prints. I think it's fun. It's just a fun thing to do. So it's a, it's just, I, I encourage it as a as an interest for people to have their photos displayed. Because nowadays it's, it's easier than ever to take the photos, but honestly, other than going through them or having them surface somehow in a memory on Facebook or Instagram, we don't necessarily go back and look at them that often. So, you know, having that favorite photo you framed and looking at it, you know, a special moment for a long time, I think it means something. Yeah. I mean, the only way I see my photos are if it comes up on my 
Google on like Home Hub and it just like randomly selects it. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool though. I mean, like I see that sometimes too. I'll see on my watch or on my phone, like it'll say, here's a, you know, one year ago today, this is what you guys did. And it'll have some photos of me and my friends or whatever I was doing. And I kind of like that because it's, I never really would have gone out of my way to look at that, but I do appreciate seeing them because, you know, there's a reason we take these photos usually. Um, so it's, it's nice to be reminded of what we, whatever we were doing or you know, whatever we took photos of. I heard that you uh, got a Mustang. When when did you get that? Or why did you choose <laughs> to get that? <laughs> well, I, I actually I didn't get a Mustang. I, I was kind of thinking about it because the idea of a nice convertible Mustang seemed kind of, you know, like a good idea in sunny California. But I ended up getting a, a Dodge, a Dodge Challenger because they just, they just looked too badass and I couldn't not get one. So I kind of, I went that route and I've been, I got it a couple of months ago and I've been really enjoying it um, because my last car before that was a, a, a nice 2009 Honda Civic, you know, not a bad car, but I was like, I kind of want an upgrade. So um, let me upgrade to a, to a Challenger. And I, I love the aesthetics of it. I think it's out of the, out of the Camaro, the Mustang and the Challenger. I think that the throwback kind of seventies look is the, it's the most unique. You know, I think the other ones, the, the Mustang and the Camaro and even the Charger have kind of gotten to be more modern looking over time. They keep turning more into cars, like modern cars, whereas the the Challenger looks like an old muscle car. I mean, granted, I have the baby one with a V6 engine, but it still looks like these beautiful old cars. You know, I, I love the aesthetics mm-hmm. of it. That's why I got it. Trevor mentioned that uh, you got a Mustang, so I thought you might be into the Ford and the mach Checking that uh, out. No, you know, honestly, I, I have a pretty strong opinion about that. I, <laughs> I I saw it. I just I just kind of flinched. I was like, really, this is it? Like you're making an electric car, and this looks like a marshmallow. Like what is this? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really here for it, to be honest. You know, and I it, it's come. I saw I saw the pictures of it a day or two after I saw. Um, I forget what the name of the company, but there was this other company at the auto show that was showing off an electric converted Mustang, and it was a, like a normal Mustang, basically. That had been converted mm-hmm. to battery packs and electric drivetrain, and it looks great. You know, it looks like a Mustang. They put some blue lights on it, and that they were showing. They were kind of talking about the specs and how it was so powerful with this electric motor, and that's something I could get behind. You know, there's going to be a lot of people who miss the rumble of a V8 engine or whatever, but they're going to mm-hmm. ultimately the performance of the electric vehicle is going to speak for itself. You know, it's going to give you that zero to sixty time or whatever you want, that instant torque. And then they come up with this sort of crossover thing, and they put a Mustang emblem onto it. Yes, I know that the world, or at least the U.S. or whatever, is moving toward these SUVs and crossovers as being the normal vehicle that everyone buys. But I'm just not here for the design personally. You know, the, it kind of is a little contrary to what you think of when you think of a Mustang. I, I think of beautiful car, and I see that. I just it doesn't. It's not like horrendously ugly, but I don't know. I'm not super into it. What do you guys think about it in terms of the design of it and how it how it how it carries that Mustang branding? I think. I think it shouldn't have carried it because it's not a Mustang. It's not the only, like, sports squad. It's like a, yeah, like you said, it's crossover. So it's kind of lost its sports car-ish, like, feel to it. I mean, it still has that same kind of grill, but it's not only, like, what I'd get if I wanted a Mustang. I guess I read, I read an interview with some of the designers, or one of the designers, and they were saying that they they were told the original brief was create a in a crossover that was inspired by the Mustang. And so it wasn't actually going to be a Mustang car. And then 
as they were doing it, then they were told, this is actually, you know, why don't we just make this a Mustang? This is going to be a Mustang. We're going to put that branding on here. And so they had to kind of take it forward and make it add more of that design language of the Mustang to this new vehicle. And, you know, I, I can see, you know, the front end, some of, some of it looks like the rest of the Mustangs. And I guess they're going to try to build it as a Mustang that's a little bigger. And it's like, yeah, it's like the other crossovers, but better because it's an electric Mustang. I don't know. I don't really know how they're going to sell that. Yeah, I don't really like it. I mean, again, like I'm glad they're I'm glad they're doing it in a way. Like we need more electric vehicles, but I I'm underwhelmed by the design. I feel like they should have just created a new line that was really awesome and that was affordable. You know, like there's other things you can do without having to slap the Mustang logo on it. I want to see a modern Mustang from Ford that's like that has an electric that's that's electric and. And it, it can sell itself. Yeah, basically, that, that's powerful enough to sell itself to the people who like Mustangs. You know, what you need to do is convince people that electric cars are here and they're awesome. And even people who love cars can still love them. You know, a lot of people are thinking it's going to be different than what I'm used to with my current gasoline car. And yeah, it's different. But here, let's show you that it's better in a lot of ways. And I think if you make that argument, it's good. But if you just say, you know, here's, <laughs> I don't know, I, I just can't. I can't be enthusiastic about this crossover design because I'm not a big fan of the SUV kind of crossover trend. You know, I'm, I'm not really big into cars, but I see what's on the road and I just think it's, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I love my Challenger. I love the look of the Mustangs. I like, I like well-designed cars and I don't know if that is one, but whatever, you know, what's my opinion worth? It's not much. I'm not, I'm not really a car enthusiast. I just, I just bought a new car now. I think I know everything. <laughs> Yeah, Trevor uh, did a lot of research to get his uh, mattress, and he felt like he knew a lot about mattresses. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, when you get into something and you start researching it, a a lot of it is stuff that you never really thought to research before. You know, who really spends their time reading about mattresses? Or, you know, if you're happy with a car, you probably aren't spending time reading about all the different cars. And then when you need one or when you want one, you really start diving into it, and you're realizing – what's available and what you know what you can afford what's you know what's trendy or what's all these different things you you kind of get tuned into that world for a small amount of time whether it's mattresses or whatever else yeah it was even described as mattress youtube <laughs> just watch videos <laughs> to a mattress youtube <laughs> wow certainly something for everyone now isn't there yeah. <laughs> he he was like a professional mattress reviewer so what well, you know mattress <laughs> No kink shaming, I guess. <laughs> so, what type of research did you do into cars, Nick? And did you do that much research, or just? <clears throat> um, well, I mean, to be honest, the majority of the research is okay. I'm driving on the road, and damn, look at that sexy Challenger on the road. I really want one of those. <laughs> That that's the majority of the research I did, <laughs> uh, but no, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, after that I went into it, I did research about the models I wanted to get and I thought, okay, is it actually a decent car or is it just really cool looking? Uh, and, you know, I gathered enough that it was, it was for what I wanted, it was going to be totally good enough. But uh-huh. I will say that after owning this car, like the design of the Challenger, at least it's very similar. If you, if you're not familiar with the actual models, you see one and you can't really tell whether it's, you know, the base model that I have, or if it's a really, really high-end Hellcat or Demon, you know, the average person just sees it and goes, oh, it's one of those cars. And I th- I've had a couple other Challengers many, like at least three or four times now recently 
that will be on the highway or on the road, and they'll like they'll pull up next to me and they'll rev their engines. Like it's like, what do you think I'm gonna do? Race you at this light? Yeah, let's race into 100 feet of traffic ahead of us. Like what is this? <laughs> but <clears throat> I mean that that's what happens when you own a car like that, I guess. And and I'm always like, well, uh, let me just uh, go soft here for a minute because I only have my V6. So eventually, I do think I need to keep it in good shape and <clears throat> trade it for uh, a V8 sometime. It's a nice big roar. Uh-huh. <laughs> Trying to get that Hellcat. I do someday. I would I would own a Hellcat or a Demon. I mean, I wouldn't. I would probably also in that case I need to own a Tesla too. Like, I'll drive the Tesla to work and then take out the Demon during the weekend. I don't know. <laughs> I was actually thinking it would be fun to get um some some old car like a really old Mustang or old Challenger or Charger. Like, I, I like those old kind of sixties seventies muscle cars. It'd be fun to cruise around in one of those as a project car. You know, someday when I'm well established and have more money than I do now. Being being, I can see because I'm so interested in you know. I'm such a camera person. I own way too many cameras. I could see myself getting into cars in that way. Owning way but, too many cameras. <laughs> well, yeah, honestly, yeah. Like, you know, the way I do the way I do cameras, like, oh, that would be awesome. I should own this one for this reason. And then, uh-huh. um, but because that's within, it's kind of it's just barely within my means to be able to do that. But, you know, if I made more money, I'd probably become a car person pretty quick. Hmm. What, what about you, um, Alex? I, I don't know you so well. Um, are you interested? Like, how interested in cars are you? Do you, in terms of what you drive, are you totally utilitarian? Like, you just want it to get you where you're going with good mileage, or are you about style or performance? What, what are you interested in? Well, uh, <laughs> I ride my bike to work. I try to drive as <laughs> at least amount as possible. <laughs> and, well, there you go. Uh, that's that. That's an answer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I thought that I was a cyclist, and I learned I I watched a I don't know if you watched any casually explained videos. But I I learned that I'm not a cyclist. I'm just a commuter. <laughs> cyclist and oh. way in, way into cycling. <laughs> I think it's funny to see these people that are really into cycling and they wear like spandex and all this weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean when the spandex comes on, it's all over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just. A casual, just take a bike to work, and that's about it. I don't really do any workouts or anything with it. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel that. Like, I, in a way, I wish I lived closer to where I work. Right now, it's not practical for me to ride a bike or anything. But uh-huh. uh, being close enough to work where you can bike, that'd be nice. I mean, you just, wouldn't be, you know, in my nice California gas stations here, I'm spending, like, what, during the summer, like, $70 or more, maybe 60 to $80 to fill up my tank. Like, it's not very fun every week, let's just say that. Yeah, when I I lived in just get a Tesla ATV. I should get a Tesla ATV. I could just fucking ride that thing. I would go on the old. I would go on the back roads to work on that thing. I I would make my commute on a fucking Tesla ATV. If it could make, if I could charge it enough to get me there, I would try. (laughs) And when I first started working in California, driving was a little rough. I'd kind of feel drowsy on the road. And it was annoying because I had to get gas like every single week. And yeah, now I pay for gas about like once a month and we only pay like $50 at most a a month on gas. So That's like a quarter of what I spend. That's nice. Yeah, I wish wish that was the case for everybody. But um, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, Alex needs to like run home from work sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would run home even if it's like uh, almost 12 miles or something. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, I, could, I couldn't do that. I, I'm built for comfort, not for speed. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I had to quit running home because, uh, and we'd work at a production shop, and I'd be on my feet like all for like eight hours, and then I couldn't run. My feet started hurting because I was on my feet too much. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. That'd be it'd be kind of a lot. Yeah, I'm just too lazy to even like walk ten minutes to work. So. <laughs> You live 10 minutes away from your work? Walking distance, yeah. Nice. Wow. I even, Dude, I would totally do that. I wish I did. I'm looking at other places closer to where I work. I'm like, wow, if I lived there, I could just walk. That would save me so much money. And it would be good, to be honest. Ever since I got a car, I've gained weight. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> I mean, you have to, you got to drive that car around, so... I know, but now, yeah, see, now that I've invested that much in my car, I can't not drive it, and I also <laughs> want to drive it, so I'm like, well, why don't I just, why don't I just drive here? Let's drive there. Let's just drive everywhere. I'm not care about being traffic because you're driving a cool car. Bad. Yeah, when I worked at Intel, I bought it. I rented an apartment that's really close, so I just walked there, but I was disappointed on in my internship because they wanted me to, like, take the car and deliver stuff and take stuff to the shop that we have and stuff, so my setup when my apartment didn't really work out very well and there. Yep, I, I'd rather walk or ride my bike to work. <laughs> I try to set up my that's life true. like that. That's the, it's the more economic thing to do. It's the better for the environment thing to do. It's, not, it's a good thing all around, let's just say. But mm-hmm. um, How about you, How about you, Trevor? And you're, you're right, what are you driving right now? Remind me. <laughs> 2001 next year. That's the best. Yeah, I mean, I, you don't have to justify it to me. I mean, maybe it's the car that you're using. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna fuck with you just for driving that. It's fine. You do you yeah. I mean, like it gets me there, and it has four wheel drive, so it's all I need. And it, I mean, um, it hasn't killed you in the snow yet, so that's good. And you haven't killed yourself in the snow yet, so that's also good. Not yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> this day it started raining, and I like hit the side of the cave, and like, well, I guess uh, I shouldn't drive like this fast. So I just went on my way, and I just got to work. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm just not gonna say anything. That's fine. Yeah, I'm glad you're still with us. What What do you think about the Cybertruck? Like, I mean, it's such a polarizing design. Like, what you, everybody everybody has an opinion. Where do you fall? Both of you. Me? I like it. At first, I thought it was really bad just because I saw one side view. Uh, <laughs> but after I saw like more photos and like the actual like front end and like how geom- geometric it was. I kind of like it. It's like the futuristic of what you would have seen in the 80s. Like, oh, this is the future. You Like if you saw this car in the 80s, you'd say like, oh, we're in 2020 now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, it's the, it's a retro distillation of the design of what they thought, you know, this is what the future will look like. And then now it's like, it seems to me that that's the, well, they're one of the only makes that are really pushing forward design in that way with the Cybertruck. They're, so they're saying, like, we're in the future. Why don't we try different things? Why don't we design cars that don't look like any other truck that exists? Which, you know, it's polarizing people. Some people I've read really think it's ugly, but I'm actually like, oh, fuck, yes, give me one of those. Because it's like, <laughs> fuck, it looks so different than everything else. And, like, it take my money. I mean, like, not really because I don't have $40,000. But, you know, like I'll, like, I'll have a friend get one, and then I'll get inside it. And I'll be like, well, fuck, now I need one. So I'll probably win eventually. I'll get, I'll get some sort of Tesla. What I, what I want is a um, – I want, like, a Roadster or a Model S. I want some sort of sports car that's modeled after the Cybertruck. 
Like, give me a really geometric New York coupe. Like, I want, like, something like that. Because I don't don't need a whole truck. I don't don't need it to be that big. I just need it to look badass and uh, be a test. So... (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say something similar to Nick. Elon Musk, he likes to bring the future to the present. And I, I, I like how he's kind of pressing forward the design. We've... I, uh, maybe like five years ago, so I felt like all the cars looked the same. And then each uh, company had their own like style that they added to it. So it, it's been changing a little bit lately. But I think a new generation of um, design is kind of interesting to think about. Yeah, I'm all about pushing forward things or trying things. Yeah, maybe the Cybertruck fails. Maybe it doesn't do well, but there will be a legion of a small legion of fans that really love it. You know, it's a product that it, I'm glad they're trying because somebody has tr- has to try. Otherwise things stagnate. You know, I think it's interesting that it's that they decided to go so full force into that geometric look. I think they're really, like he said that they, they really, um, I don't, I don't remember the exact quote, but he said like, there's a, they really went there. You know, they didn't just do like one geometric window and then the rest looks like a truck. You know, all these pre-renders mm-hmm. that other people made that they were like, oh, this could be the new the new Tesla truck. It just looked like a normal truck with a Tesla logo. And I'm glad they didn't just do that because that's not how they're going to get people to buy them. You know, people who buy those trucks, trucks are such a huge thing. And I'm so used to living in my California bubble where we all kind of drive whatever we want. But really, you know, if you go to other states or other places in California, people buy these trucks, not just for work, but people are buying trucks as a status symbol. People are spending forty, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 on a truck. And mm-hmm. if you can kind of reach into that market and say, you know, this is a luxury truck that looks like nothing else that's on the market and it has, you know, these are the specs. Like, I feel like if you really sell it to those people, there will be, there will be people who really are interested in that, especially because, you know, fuck it, this is America. Like they're going to want an armored truck that's theirs. That looks really fucking badass <laughs> from the eighties. Like, you know, you just know it. So there's going to be some people who buy it regardless, but I'm, I'm, I kind of hope that it does. All right. Just cause I want to see more of that design language along with the rest of that you know run the rest of their line or at least one more car i want to see more interesting cars not just the model s is nice but like give me something else now yeah when i went to idaho i heard that uh idaho is like has the most trucks and like maybe 60 percent of the truck cars are trucks over there so really california might be uh um more like normal car style but yeah, well, yeah i mean in california half of the cars are, are already teslas anyway so you know, <laughs> i mean uh it's a it's a new market for them to sell them to so yeah i think a lot of people like trucks and they use it as a utilitarian functional thing rather than just driving around <laughs> I mean, some people do, but I, I've I've read a lot about people who they get them because they're interested in a, in a work truck that's also they think looks nice and that they can just daily drive. Like they're really into the status symbol of having a big truck. You know, a lot of America is. It's not just about like a nice car anymore. It's like you want the big truck that really stands out. Mm-hmm. I drive some every day. I drive and I see people. I park next to car. It's these massive trucks. And I'm thinking like. There can't be that many people who are doing heavy lifting with these trucks. I think people just enjoy being high off the ground and having these large vehicles, <laughs> you know, regardless of the mileage or whatever. So I don't know. I, I don't yeah. trust everybody who has these trucks is using them for work. Yeah. In Utah, I mean, there's just snow 
and a lot of people also go, um, I don't know, they are camping and going to water, like outdoors. So I feel like in Utah, there's a lot of trucks also, like probably half the trucks are, and half cars are trucks here. So yeah, I think I mean, the, the inclement weather would really help to have, you know, more than two wheel drive. So I'm sure a lot of yeah. trucks have that. A lot of vehicles, but a lot of trucks, especially. I mean, honestly, I feel like the Aztec is the perfect vehicle for Utah. So <laughs> hopefully they have a lot of cars there. <laughs> the Aztec is a classic car that, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Alex. It's a car that's basically like a, a giant, like, camper, it's a, like, camper van. Just think, <laughs> yeah, th- think of like a, like an SUV-sized Prius, but really, really sexy. Like, that's what, a, that's, <laughs> that's what an Aztec is. <laughs> So, so basically, you, you the, Tesla truck, that, like, the, the Cybertruck is the the succeeder to it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Cybertruck truly, like you look at it, they they put that, like, they put the tent in the back. This is totally inspired by the Aztec. The Aztec is a trailblazer. I mean, it's also the most reviled design in the history of cars, but it's also awesome. So, whatever. The Aztec, huh? Um. I'll look it up. The Pontiac, as I said, yeah. <laughs> you have to check that out. Yeah. It's a, it's a legendary. Pontiac. <laughs> yep. Um, I'd say uh, if you were in two trucks, uh, Tesla is either in your sights or uh, probably way out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I wonder, though, if the amount of people who are interested in that kind of truck, if, if that's a large enough amount of people to make it viable, you know, or or if too many yeah. people, you know, if it's like if only 10% of people are interested in it, is that enough people to be interested in that kind of truck? Or do you need to get even more people interested in it? It's I, I don't know much about, well, the car industry or specifically the truck industry to know, to say. Yeah, I've been following how many pre-orders they have and – they have over 200,000 pre-orders already. That's pretty they good. Have, uh, That's with the people that like spend $100 just to get in the line, right? Like, yeah. And okay, you say stuff. that, but you were, weren't you going to spend that much money to get in line for a Model 3? Uh, I mean, if I, I could, I would, but <laughs> I don't have that money. It's <laughs> only $100. You're like, when the Model 3 was coming out, you were like, oh, I should get a Model 3, and you're thinking about it. So I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I was. It's true. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder how many I think, I, canceled. You should get a Cybertruck now, Trevor. You could you could drive it in the snow. <laughs> I, I could just like put snow in the back and then just drive around. Yeah, exactly. Because there's not enough snow on the ground, so you have to fill your truck with snow. That that would really be great. So thank you for your time. Uh, yeah. And unless you're listening in, I don't know, subscribe or whatever you do on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe and review. That's, I think that's the main thing. As possible. All right. Yeah. I think that's it, then. Yeah. Hey, uh, see you next week. Yeah, see you. <laughs> Bye.